Today's teaching text comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, bless you, uh, beginning in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a, an experiment this morning because there's still no room for everybody. So there's um, still a couple of chairs over here and more chairs up here, and I'm just going to jump into our text today, and if, Gabe, you guys want to keep trying to like squeeze more chairs in or whatever we need to do, we'll just do that. Apparently, nobody wanted to sit on somebody else's lap. We just weren't into that. We're not quite there yet. Baby steps for our, our little congregation. Okay. Um, Again, welcome to Trinity Grace. My name's Guy, and I have the distinct privilege of being uh, a pastor here. And last week, my family and I had the amazing opportunity to go away for a couple of days. And so I just want to personally say thank you to everybody who stepped up and filled in and served and made that possible so that my family and I could enjoy the warm sun in Cancun, Mexico for a couple of days. It was amazing. So thank you. Um, I don't know why we're clapping, but let's, let's, I mean, if we're going to clap, let's really do it here, okay? <laughs> let's be really committed to this. Um, we are wrapping up a teaching series called Awakening. And it was my heart that over the course of these four weeks, we would um, have something new stir in us, that we would be the kind of people that wouldn't just show up to a space and move through empty religious practices, but that we would be the kind of people that would show up and have a sense of purpose a sense of how we connect and fit into the story that we're a part of, uh, and, and, and that we would understand our passions, uh, our place, and the presence of God in our lives through the spiritual gifts that He's given us. That's been our hope. And so we've looked at, uh, at Romans 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 last week, and today we're in 1 Corinthians 12 in this famous passage that probably as it was begun to be read, if you've been around the church a little bit, you had one of two things happen in you when, it started to be, when, you, when you started to hear it. Either on the one hand, you heard um, this sense of like uh, fear, oh no, not the gifts, not the spiritual, not the prophecy, miraculous, supernatural gifts talk, not that. I've been a part of a church like that in my past, and I was abused, or there was distraction, or there was, there was something not right about it, or it's confusing, or, or, or what if God doesn't show, what if it doesn't happen? Anybody ever feel that way? I, I think the other uh, response that maybe some of us have when we begin thinking about this text is, um, is, is not just the fear on the one hand, but, and, and, and abuse, but the sense of um, the unknown, and so because it's unknown, we just, we're not right, right, quite sure if, if we want to move into it. And uh, there, there's all these other emotions. Maybe you're like, yes, finally, I've been waiting for this silly church to get to this stuff. <laughs> Anybody with me? Yeah. We're finally going to talk about this. 
Those are just the leaders of our church laughing right now. <laughs> and so, um, guys, what would it be like if, if when we arrived in a space like this on a Sunday morning or, or, or a community group on a Tuesday night or in our office offices on Monday morning or where, wherever we find ourselves, what if, what if the expectation was that God was already there, that the power, the supernatural power of God was already present and that we're stepping into and joining him? How different would our lives be? See, I think that's what Paul is talking about. I think that's what's in his heart for not only the Corinthian church, but for us today. And how crazy would it be if we showed up at a, at a church like this, if any space, and all we wanted was to know about our, our evangelism or, or serving or, 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 or better being, you know, being better equipped to like serve in very particular and safe ways. What a tragedy it would be if that's all we settled for. And the power of God is right there, and we just, we just stayed away from it. What a tragedy that would be. Mark Sayers talks about, um, talks about the church and some of the cultural challenges that we're facing today. And one of the things that he talks about um, is where we, where we begin to have a, a very small, sort of passive deism perspective of the church. He says this in one of his books. He says, the elephant in the living room of contemporary Christianity is people's ability to simply sit in church. Not you. He's talking about somebody else another church, somewhere else, to consume the experience the way one would a great sporting event, a thrilling movie, or an exciting theme park ride. None of those things we've ever been accused of being really close to, by the way, but just, again, other churches, other places. But those are the experiences, and then dispose of it, totally unchanged at the soul level, as they leave the sanctuary. Sure, they might feel challenged or encouraged or even moved, but the horizontal self simply feels the experience and moves on. He goes on to argue that the modern church then ultimately is boiled down, is distilled into the church becoming just a theme park. Christian leaders become Christian celebrities. The teaching becomes entertainment. We judge based on how much we laughed or how much we were intellectually challenged, and that's it. That salvation becomes self-help. Discipleship is lessened to lifestyle enhancement that the soul becomes self and the church becomes brand and the gospel simply becomes a slogan that we can tweet. Friends, I think if we allow ourselves to be convinced that this journey of the Christian story is just about these things and not about encountering the power and presence of God that is available, then we only have religion. We do not have the life that Jesus gave his actual life on the cross for. And God wants so much more for us, and so do I. In this text, the Apostle Paul gives us um, the manifestation gifts. There's a lot of different ways to categorize these gifts, the presence gifts. We talked about passion gifts, Romans 12, Place gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, so forth, in Ephesians 4 and today in 1 Corinthians 12, what we're just going to call today for the sake of a category or a label or somehow like some handles to grab a hold of these gifts, the manifestation or presence gifts. 
I think there's three different categories or types of manifestation gifts. They fall into three different ways, and they help us understand the mind, the activity, and the voice of God. These manifestation gifts, as scary as they might be, whether we're filled with fear of the unknown or fear from past abuse, these gifts help us to understand who God is and how he's at work in the world. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Anybody into that? Anybody tired of just kind of doing things on their own strength? This is part of what God is offering to us through these gifts, if we will have ears to hear. I love... um, this passage of scripture. And one of the things that's happening here is that uh, this idea that when, when the spirit of God moves on a person or a community, it's like God's hand is dancing or hovering over the top of them. That's the imagery in the original language. I love that, don't you? To think about this image in my mind that as the spirit of God moves through us and in us and as we connect with who God is, it's almost like his hand. He's just like, he's enjoying the dance with us. We're not doing this by ourselves. These gifts don't necessarily seem to be permanent, though they are always available all the time. We don't own this gift, but instead join God's dancing hand in the world in that moment. And so these these manifestation gifts are in these three categories. The first category is understanding the mind of Christ. They're called revelation gifts. Revelation gifts. The revelation gifts are, 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 are the ways that God helps his people, us, understand what he's thinking. This is the promise of scripture, friends. And so the first gift that God gives us, the first one that Paul talks about here in Revelation, or excuse me, in 1 Corinthians 12, is the word of wisdom. The gift of the words of wisdom. These are simply supernatural revelations from God in his mind for a certain season or a certain moment. This is more than just normal secular wisdom. This is even more deeper layer than, than, than secular wisdom. The next layer would be like general biblical wisdom. Like you've ever been faced with a situation and something you've been reading in scripture just pops for you and you're like, oh, I know what to do now. That ever happened? Okay, we need to work on, on, on Bible reading next. Okay, just remind me. <laughs> The Bible is a book that God wrote through people over time. All right. While I had an amazing vacation in Cancun, I'm I'm telling you, incredible. And I don't want to tell you more than that because you will be so jealous. But, But on the flight home, I got this terrible head cold, and I'm still wrestling with it. So if I'm radically emotional or incoherent, I'm going to blame the cold and DayQuil. All right? We just good with that? Because um, it couldn't be the Holy Spirit. Just, he would never make people emotional, ever. That just would not happen. So, secular wisdom, biblical wisdom from just our general studying and spending time with God in the scriptures. This is an immediate download of something that you need to know and how to be in the moment. Words of wisdom. God gives these. These are part of the supernatural manifestation of God working in the world. It's something that you need to know in that moment that you otherwise could not know. And it's knowledge-based. You see this as a biblical illustration in Joseph and the whole dream interpretation thing. 
you know, the rulers of Egypt, they have this dream. They don't know what to do with it. They come to Joseph. Joseph has this interpretation. He has this wisdom, this download from God's mind in the moment to know exactly what to do. And that leads to him being able to save the entire nation and area. This happens all throughout Scripture. Words of wisdom. The second gift in the revelation category is words of knowledge. Now, words of knowledge and words of wisdom might sound very similar, but there's one very distinct difference here. Again, this is more than just gaining information, having an Ivy League degree, and having the, 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 the huge breadth of the canon Western literature at our hand, at our fingertips. This is more than poetry. This is something different. It's more than biblical knowledge and literacy. It's more than doctrine and theology. Words of knowledge are supernatural revelations from God about something that you absolutely could not have known on your own about a situation or somebody else. I was reading a book one time by John Wimber, and John Wimber is the sort of the father figure of the vineyard movement. And he was telling a story about one time he was on a plane and he sat down. It was one of those moments where as a pastor, uh, you don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want anybody to ask you what you do. Sometimes you just want, you know, to just be in your own little bubble. I know that never happens to you in other vocations, but for pastors, we feel this all the time. Sometimes you're just like, I just don't want to talk to anybody. Please, I don't want them to know. I don't want them to judge me. You just have these moments, right? So John is describing this, this situation on a plane, and he looks across the aisle at the person sitting right next to him, and he sees written across that, that man's forehead a woman's name. And he was like, no, Jesus, please, <laughs> not on this plane. And so he tries to just ignore it. He's like, nope, I'm not. I just want to be, God, can I just have a, a peaceful flight where your Holy Spirit doesn't bother me? And he looks back across, you know, just like the little, little side eye kind of thing. He's like, there it is, still written across the, the dude's face. So later on in the flight, it was an international flight. Later on in the flight, they're back in the back around the, the, uh, the bar or something. And he goes back, and that dude is there. And he's like, listen, this is going to sound crazy, but I want to ask you, does the name so-and-so mean anything to you? And the guy's just, the blood just rushes out of his face. And he goes pale. And he's like, I, ah, well, how did you know about that? And he says, listen, I, this is going to sound crazy, but God just wants me to... Um, mentioned to you that he sees what you're doing and he wants you to repent and stop this affair and go back to your wife and, and, and reunite, reconcile. They exchanged information and he got a letter from the guy later that said he did exactly that. He went home, he cut off the affair, he restored his relationship with his wife. That's a word of knowledge. There's no way, aside from the supernatural manifestation of the power of God, of the Holy Spirit in John's life in that moment, that he could have known that about that man and his story. You see all kinds of examples of this all throughout the scriptures. I think of Jesus with the woman at the well. He reads her mail, and she's like, you must be a prophet or something. He's like, yeah, no duh. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is operating with this gift, and he's offered it to us as well. Words of knowledge. And the third and final gift in this category that Paul outlines for us in this text today is the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is the ability to distinguish between the spirits of what's pure and what's not, of what's of God and what isn't. I remember one time uh, I was in church at Chelsea just before we had launched this parish five and a half years ago, and a man had come into the back of the room, and he was um, disheveled and, 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 and just looked a little bit lost, and I, and I love Trinity Grace and our church and the ability to welcome the stranger, and everybody's invited in, and that began to happen, but it began very quickly to, to, to be discerned that, that this man wasn't, uh, the discernment was, this man was not in a pure heart and a pure mind. He had ill intentions. 
And the second that we began to move to try to help this gentleman, to intercede, to figure out, to, to, to help combative, immediately in the middle of the gathering, praise and worship was happening. He starts screaming. There was this demonic oppression that happened immediately. And we had to say, you know what, sir, we need you to leave. The more we pressed in, the more violent he got. There was an immediate connection discernment in the spirit that said, this, something's not right here. Has that ever happened to you? You ever walked into a, a space and you were expecting one thing, but suddenly you were met with this darkness, this heaviness? Anybody? That's the gift of discernment that Jesus has given you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a gift that we are to use. These are the revelation gifts and they're to help us know God's mind. Everybody good so far? The power of God is present and real for us. It's available for us. Revelation gifts, but there's also power gifts. There's gifts of power, and I'm into that. Not like for bad reasons, but like I'm ready to see more of like God's power, right? right? Anybody? Yes. Gifts of power. The first gift that Paul talks about is the gift of faith. And this is strange to me a little bit because I want miracles. I want like big signs. I want like the, the crazy things that happen. But Paul, excuse me, Paul includes this. As one of the gifts, gifts of faith, is this uncanny supernatural ability despite circumstances to trust God or to inspire others to trust in God for a particular need or circumstance. We do not have the time for me to go into the stories of faith from my family growing up or from us planting this church or through the journey of being on mission with God here. But I will tell you this, most of my stories are old stories. Most, most of my stories of radical faith are dusty. And I'm so hungry for God to do more. I'm so hungry for there to be more than, than a report that yeah, when I'm in Mexico, that guy, everything went great. Uh, the crowd was good. David preached a good message. So-and-so did. Everything was pulled out. Everything was done. I'm so hungry and ready for, and that's not to be disparaging about what did take place and, and what happens on Sundays and all of that. I'm just ready for more. When we moved here, I, I, I tell this story all the time, but I flew on a plane with a voucher because that's all the money I had in 2009 to look for apartments with like $300 in my bank account to look for an apartment. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't buy a closet in New York City for $300. <laughs> But I came anyway. And with Rebecca at home, pregnant with our third kid, and packing, I fly to New York and start looking for apartments. And I find the right apartment with still only $300 in our bank account. And I said, God, this is it. The broker was like, you want to put a deposit down? I said, yes, but I don't have it yet. And he kind of just looked at me. And I said, but, but whenever I have to sign these papers and hand you the money, if I'm supposed to have this apartment, I will have the money for you. I said, how much do I need, by the way? He said, $6,000. I said, okay, got it, no problem. Oh my gosh, $6,000. <laughs> it was a June, it was like June 10th, 2009. I was meeting up with a new friend in Soho, because that's what you do. And just outside of that amazing Cuban restaurant, uh, Cafe Havana, I got a phone call and somebody had just pledged $3,000 to us, having no idea that that was half of what we needed. By the next morning, we had six grand. I called the broker up. I've got it. Where do you want me to meet? The plane was, I mean, I was flying back to Pittsburgh the next, you know, in the next couple of hours. 
I meet him. He says, by the way, you need another $3,000. I said, that's fine. I'll get it somehow. <laughs> God came up with six grand. I mean, I don't, you could have told me you need another $15,000. I would have been fine with that. Anyway, you people have heard this story, but part of, my, part, of, part of why I bring this up is because God has been moving in such incredible ways, but that story is seven and a half years old. How old is the last faith story where God showed up in a miraculous way because he gave you the gift of faith? How old is your last, your oldest faith story? I think it's the heart of God to give us fresh faith stories, friends. The next power gift is the gift of miracles. Now we're getting somewhere. The gift, the gift of miracles. This is the supernatural intervention of God that transcends the natural process in a situation through or with a human vessel, through humanity, through you and I. The Greek word literally means acts of power in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 or later in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It means something so uh, energetic, so different, so other, that it enters into our normal, scientific, secular, postmodern space and minds and disrupts everything. Jesus walked on water for crying out loud. He turned just a couple of, of pieces of food that could feed thousands. This is like how Jesus operated like normal, and we treat this like, it's, we call it supernatural, but a philosophical friend of mine said that if Jesus is the truest version of what it means to be human, isn't it the most natural way to be human then, to expect that supernat supernatural things take place, that miracles of power would be the normal way we operate instead of the, 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 the unusual? We've got things backwards, so twisted. The heart of God is that there would be his activity in the world in supernatural power. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. As good as any sermon or podcast is, I think God actually has in his heart to accomplish a little bit more than a nice, neat, buttoned-up three-point sermon in 30 minutes. Amen? Yeah. I thought well, I might have gotten more natural feedback from you on that one, but... Gifts of power, miraculous workings of Jesus. I, I want to I walk down the street and through Tompkins Square Park and into buildings and restaurants in my apartment. And I want to be able to speak to and operate in and, and see brokenness and through the power of God, see that brokenness restored and healed. I think that's what God wants. The third gift of power is the gifts of healing. The gifts of healing are various forms of supernatural cures or restoration from illness, diseases, injuries, and other impairments. And it would be easy for us to sometimes just like dismiss this. And I don't know completely why God sometimes heals some and doesn't heal others. Yesterday was, the, was my fr one of my friends from my childhood, high school, and college's birthday, but he passed away nine years ago from cancer. And I want you to know, we prayed for him like crazy. We believed that God was going to heal him, and he still died. And yet this morning, Kendall... My 10-year-old woke up, didn't get out of bed, said her stomach hurt. I said, you know what, sweetheart, have you prayed? She said, no. I was like, <laughs> don't judge her. If you knew Kendall, you would know that's kind of normal for her sometimes. <laughs> By the way, I don't know what kind of attitude you have when you wake up in the morning. 
But she said uh, part of the reason she was in a bad mood is because she had a stomachache. She's like, Daddy, my stomach hurts so much. I says, well, have you prayed? And I said, well, uh, she says, no. And I said, well, should we pray now? She's like, yes. Okay. <laughs> so we prayed together. In Jesus' name, by faith, Jesus, would you heal Kendall's stomach? Help her to feel better immediately. Help her to be able to get up and be in a good mood and her stomach not to hurt her. And I want you to know that within two minutes, she was up, dressed, ready to go, smile on her face, just boom, ready. I want to believe that Jesus healed Kendall's upset stomach this morning. I prayed for somebody's lower back that had this terrible back pain and problems in a post-gathering just like this after the service. And they emailed me later and said, my back not only feels better, it's never felt better and it hasn't hurt since. Now, I'm not saying I have this gift because, again, these gifts aren't necessarily always permanent and it doesn't happen every time, but the Spirit of God is moving in us and there's brokenness in the world and Jesus wants us to find it and say, you don't belong here. The brokenness is replaced with healing. We do this naturally too, by the way. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how broken this is in our thinking. I'm gonna get, I want to press in a little bit. Is that okay? We're going to get personal here. When you have a cut, when you have a physical ailment, you either go to the pharmacy and get drugs or you go to the hospital, but based on how serious the injury is, you match that with the medical attention that it needs, right? Very few of us slice our, our, our finger open and say, oh, that's interesting, and just go about business as usual. A couple of weeks ago, Carter, our, our seven-year-old, was having these awful stomach pains. And, and we tried to like modify her diet and do these different things, and, and it would sort of like go away. But over the next couple of days, it started getting worse and worse and worse. Until one point at 2.30 in the morning, she wakes up screaming in pain, standing at our edge of our bed, holding her stomach, just, just doubled over. And we're just like terrified, we're like, oh my gosh, this is really serious. Whatever's going on in my poor kid's little body is like really causing her so much pain. And if you're a parent and your kid is in that kind of pain, there's no worse feeling. And so we start doing all the diagnosis. That, well, what is, how does it, you know, pressing and feel? I don't even know what that means. It's just like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm not a doctor. But I've seen it on TV. So I'm like, okay. So, but like, how serious is this, you know? And I'm, I'm looking at Rebecca and I'm like, oh my gosh. And, the, and, and suddenly the thought pops into my head. Is my kid having an appendicitis? Is that what is, an appendectomy? It's, what is the thing? Where the appendix is not good. Is she having that? <laughs> And I don't even know if this is where it is. Is this, Luis, am I doing it right? No, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> Whatever. She, that's despite the point. Focus, people. So we're starting to freak out. I'm actually starting to freak out. Rebecca's still pretty calm. And I'm like, give her some medicine. So we give her some medicine. Give her some water so she can drink the water. Sit on the couch. And it's like, she's just crying. And at one point, she starts screaming. So then I, I get dressed, put my sneakers on, and I was like, well, let me just check the World Wide Web real quick just to see, <laughs> just to see what these symptoms are. And so I'm like looking online and the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, these are some of the symptoms. This is what it looks like this. And I'm just not sure. So I'm like, I'm ready. I'm taking her to the hospital. And just then, she starts to calm down. And uh, by the way, the first thing I read... <clears throat> Um, if, you're, if you're starting to have an appendicitis online, is don't take medicine. Well, that was the first thing we did, so that's not good. But um, Carter started to calm down. 
why did I tell this story? I tell this story because my kid was in pain and I was going to do everything within my natural capabilities and capacity to help her. When we are in physical pain, we move to get fixes, to get it restored, to bring restoration and healing, right? Why would we not do the same thing in the spiritual realm? Why would, why would, get, why would asking for spiritual healing from God be a secondary thing? Friends, I want you to hear this morning that not only did Jesus die on the cross to save us from our sins, to cure us from the illness of our separation from God, Jesus died on the cross to bring us physical healing as well. The scriptures tell us that in his death, he brought healing to our affirmities, to our pain. That he takes on our disease as well. Gifts of revelation, gifts of power. The third and final category are gifts of speech. Speech gifts. This is the voice of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, we have the activity of Christ, and now we have the voice of Christ. And these are the ones that I think, for the most part, really begin to freak us out. The first is the gift of tongues. The supernatural ability to speak in another or in a heavenly language that is not known or learned by the person speaking. And I think if you have been around the Pentecostal church or charismatic space, this is the one that for some of us can really get to be sort of weird and gnarly. But I want you to know, friends, that this is in the scriptures. This is in the text. This is part of the gifts that Paul is talking about here. And I would, I would propose to us this morning that this sort of has two categories. The category of, of the, 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 the person speaking in an actual language that they do not know, like we saw at Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2 rather. But I also think this falls in that category of personal prayer language, that we have this, this ability to commune and communicate with God that, that is unintelligible to anybody else and maybe even to the person who's praying but somehow God is in that and God is honored by it and you are edified as the person. You are encouraged and built up in your faith and in your abiding in Christ. I think people who have the gift of intercession find it like really hard to like pay attention and keep praying over and over and over again constantly in, in their native language, in their actual tongue. But the gift of tongues, supernatural gift of tongues, is an, is an animator. It helps us stay active and stay connected. The gift of tongues is also brought together with the gift of interpretation, so that if this happens in a communal space, in a communal environment, it's in the Father's heart for there to bring understanding, for there to be clarity. And Paul talks about this. If, 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 if somebody walks into this space and suddenly everybody is speaking in tongues and there's no interpretation, it looks like gibberish and foolishness. And you can't tell me you haven't thought that as well in talking about this gift. But the apostle says, there's an ability to interpret, to understand either that other language or a heavenly language. And then to share God's message. All of these gifts are meant to bring honor and glory to Christ. I've seen this happen in, in, in a space like this. Actually, the preacher, the pastor was preaching in the middle of his message, and this older woman in the balcony just stands up and starts speaking in tongues. And I'm like, oh, snap. What's, what, what's going to happen next? And the pastor just let the woman, just didn't interrupt her. She, she, she shared what was in her heart to share as she spoke. She sat down, 
And, and somebody else in, the, in, the, in, the, in another part of the gathering stood up and said, I think I know what God's trying to say to us. I want to just share it with you. The pastor said, sure, of course. What do you got? They shared. And I'm sure the pastor said something funny and went back to preaching. <laughs> and I don't remember what the word was. I don't remember what the interpretation was, but I've seen it happen, and I've seen it happen well. And this is one of the gifts. And the last gift of speech, miraculous gift, manifestation gift, is the gift of prophecy. The spiritually inspired but rational ability to discern and to declare God's workings in the community and God's will for the church. Paul tells us to eagerly desire these spiritual gifts, all of these, but especially the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is the ability to, 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 to confirm something, not lead somebody else. It's not manipulative. It's not meant to tell somebody what they're supposed to do with their life. It's a confirming reality. Somebody shared a, a, a personal um, prophetic dream with me, somebody that I barely even know, and they shared a bunch of illustrations and perspective of what they saw in this dream, and, and they had the timing off just a little bit, but essentially the essence of that prophetic dream that this person had in another state was brought to light within a, couple, within, within a year. I was um, on a missions trip when I was a youth pastor, and I had my uh, team all ready to go, and it was, it was the morning, and, and we were getting, everybody was out of the cafeteria except for one other leader, a woman named Susie. And Susie came over to me with tears in her eyes. She said, Guy, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. She said, three months ago, I was in my bathroom putting on makeup, and God brought you to mind. Now, never mind the weirdness of that whole scenario. But she said, God gave me this picture and told me that you're not supposed to be our youth pastor for much longer, that he's got X, Y, and Z, and she named them three specific things that God had in his heart for my family and I and our future. And she wanted to tell me right then, but she had no idea that the same week that God gave her that prophetic word, God had begun to inaugurate different steps that those three prophetic words would come true within a couple of weeks. It was confirming, not leading. See, if she had told me the day she got the prophetic word, it would have been manipulative and leading. But the Holy Spirit told her, don't tell him yet. Tell him later. And she shared with me that morning at this rustic picnic bench in Matamoros, Mexico, that God was at work in my life. That's confirming. Prophetic work is a gift. And so one of the questions I have before I ask the worship team to come back up is why, why doesn't this happen more often? Why don't we see more manifestation, more power? Why don't we see more of this activity in our story, in our lives? I want to offer just a couple of observations, and I think there's probably a dozen or more of them, may, maybe even more. But the three things that I think, at least this morning, that stand out to me as reasons why there's so little power in our lives is because of selfishness, because of secularism, and because of one thing we've already talked about, it's because of fear. See, the Spirit of God will only move where there's room and opportunity for Him to move. And oftentimes, the Spirit of God will not come barging in unless there's a crisis to sort of like resurrect and save you, but that's never what the spiritual gifts are about. The spiritual gifts are always for other people. And so I wonder if the Spirit of God doesn't break in more in my life because I'm actually too selfish. I'm too self-focused. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm too concerned with my own agenda. I wonder if the Spirit of God doesn't break in more and these manifestation powers, supernatural things don't happen more because I'm 
too selfish. I'm unwilling to give up my own story and do the hard work of receiving and surrendering and yielding to him. See, I want the power, but I don't want to pay the price. I wonder, too, if for so many of us, we have bought into the, the scientific, secular, postmodern mindset that says God is out there somewhere. He's just not that interested in operating here. And so we'd rather buy into the power of our culture, the power of technology, the power of our own intellect than the power of God. And I also think for some of us, we choose not to move into this space because of fear. Again, because we're either terrified that we'll do it wrong or that we'll do it and nothing will happen and nothing will be different and we'll look foolish. But I know this to be true of my own story, friends. The more I just say, you know what, God? I'm just going to look foolish. I'm just going to try this. I feel like clapping, I'm going to clap. I feel like speaking in tongues, I'm going to go for it. I don't even know if this is working, I'm doing it right. I'm just going for it. I have a stirring in my spirit to share a scripture with somebody, I'm going to do it. I've shared this before because I would rather uh, venture out in faith and possibly get it wrong than ignore the word of God and be disobedient and quench the spirit. So these are gifts of presence, gifts of manifestation of the power of God. And I wonder what gifts God is calling and stirring in us even now this morning. So I just invite you, I want to ask you just to close your, close your eyes. To just quiet your hearts, your minds, to think about these different types of gifts. Has any one of them jumped off of the screen at you? Any scripture or story or maybe it was the idea of, of old faith, of old faith stories that, that's, that's just stuck in your heart. Maybe there's an old gift that you haven't exercised in a long time because of a circumstance, a situation. And God's saying, you know what, I want to I I resurrect that. I want to breathe new life into that. I have a friend who lives in Texas, works at a really big Baptist church, and he is, he is probably one of, my, one of my favorite friends who operates in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. One time he was here in the city, and he was walking around, and he was late to a meeting because he was at a coffee shop, and God said, speak to this person, and he started speaking to them, and he ended up speaking in tongues and healing this person right in the coffee shop. His name's Gerald, and Gerald would just walk around, he's like, get him, Jesus, just waves his hands around, he's just, he's just out there, like a Texan should be, I guess. Maybe that kind of boldness is what God is saying to you this morning, is stirring in you. It's kind of relentless, I only care about what Jesus cares about. I want to pray for us this morning. If, that, if God is stirring in your life this morning, in your heart in a particular way, related to the gifts of manifestation, would you just hold your hands out in front of you? Would you just, just as an act of just being able to say, God, I receive what you want to give me. God in heaven, Would you deposit, would you release, would you cause us to be aware of and receive and step into by faith the gifts of your presence and spirit this morning? God, would you animate us to be your mind, your hands, and your voice in the world? Father, I pray for fresh boldness on your church. God, I pray that you would save us from simply trying to turn your church, your bride, your body into a theme park or a thrilling movie or a great drama. God, save us from that. 
God, for those of us that have shut off the activities of the Spirit because of some excuse or previous pain, Lord, would you bring healing and would you set us free? God, I pray that all over this room, through your entire church in New York City and the world, we would be released to have gifts of faith and wisdom and knowledge and miracles and healing and prophecy and tongues and interpretation, God. Father, we pray that you would release healing in those of us in this room right now that are physically broken and need to be restored. God, that we would care more about your Holy Spirit than our own reputations, our own agendas, our own plans. We love you, Lord. We want to receive from you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, if you would stand.